The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy McCarthy. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at jermccarthy 74 This week's guests include... The address UCC Glanmire's American duo, Carrie Shepherd and Tierney Furman, following their club's misquoted IE Women's Super League and National Cup successes. This week's Formula One segment includes Women in Sport podcast expert Sarah McKenzie reviewing the Bahrain Grand Prix and an unexpected Ferrari 1-2. Monster Hockey Piero Graham Catchpole joins me on the Big Red Bench to review a massive St. Patrick's Day of exciting women's hockey finals. Monster Women's Rugby Chairperson Wendy Keenan is back to review another action-packed week of Monster Clubs, results and upcoming finals. What a weekend it was for Cork Camogie. I interview Cork Minor Manager Jerry Wallace ahead of this weekend's All-Ireland Minor Final, Cork Intermediate Manager Trevor Coleman and Under-16 Manager Tony Daly. And we finish with a special Cork LGFA segment including St Mary's High School Middleton, Coachford Community School, the Cork Under-14s and a special review of the opening round of this year's Under-21 County Championships. That's all to come on this week's Women in Sport podcast. I caught up with the address UCC Glanmire's American duo, Carrie Shepherd and Tierney Furman, to talk about their club's misquote.ie Women's Super League and National Cup successes. We also discussed settling in Cork, the warm welcome both players have received, and learning to cope with the Cork accent. I am delighted to be joined here on the Women in Sport podcast on the Big Red Bench by two stars of the all-conquering address U- the address UCC Glanmire Women's Basketball uh, Super League and Paddy O'Connor Women's National Cup champions, Glanmire and it's fantastic to be joined by uh, two American players who've had a fantastic and positive impact, not just on, on the address UCC, Glanmire, but the misquote of the Super League throughout the season. That's Tierney Furman and Carrie Shepard. Tierney, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Very good. And Carrie, great to talk to you as well. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Um, as two Americans playing, not just in a different country, but a different continent, um, the address UCC Glenmire would have seen with Gigi Smith and with Jalen Duran, it's not easy to settle uh, in a different continent, as I said, let alone a different country. Carrie, uh, you're from Southeast Missouri State, but you've been with Glenmire now for the majority of the season. Um, what kind of welcome did you get from the address UCC Glenmire management and players and how easy was it to settle for you? Um, it was honestly pretty easy because I feel like the management uh and the coaches and just the players in general are very generous people. Uh, so if I needed anything, they made sure like, hey, remind me, if you need this, I could give you right here. Jimmy's like, if you need to be taken anywhere, I'll take you here. Um, even the people in the hotel, like if you need anything, just say, you know, just let us know. Just very welcoming. So and that's a big thing for me because I'm from a small town and, you know, everybody knows everybody and everyone helps everybody. So it was pretty easy for me to just settle. Um, and I'm a simple person, so I really don't need that much. But the fact that they do go above and beyond to make sure I have what I need, like, makes it easy to feel like home. Carrie, how did you manage to deal with the Cork accent? <laughs> um, you know, the thing is, everyone talks really fast. So at first, you just smile and wave. Smile <laughs> and wave. Okay. Because when I start talking, they can't understand me either. So I get a little feedback every now and then. Um, but I end up when you're around Jimmy and, and Jimmy likes to talk, you'll, you'll pick up on how they talk. And then I start like mocking them a little bit to see like, oh, that's what you mean by that. Trust me. They, they give me a hard time. And then I make them, I make them mad a little every now and then by just having to repeat themselves a lot. So it's, it's either you slow it down where I can understand you or you're going to say about 10 times. Yeah. That, that's a very fair and honest assessment of the Cork accent. Uh, 
Tierney, for you as well, you came in around the new year. So you came in at, at a time, you know, when the, the season was up and running or pretty or pr- pretty up and running. Sorry, you came in around October when it was up and running. How did you find settling in uh, to such a, you know, a, a pretty successful team and a team on the up? Um, well, for me personally, you know, coming in at like such a important time because it was around the cup final. Um, I did a little research when, when I talked to Mark about their team and, you know, got a little background information and then coming in, uh, talking to Mark on the phone, he was a very friendly guy, very talkative. So, um, and then when I got here, you know, just like Carrie said, he was so welcoming the hotel staff and it was very nice that they spoke English, you know, playing previously in different countries that didn't speak English or not very good English. Um, it was just, it was an easy transition for me in that aspect. Yeah, because you're originally from the University of Maryland, but you've played your basketball in Europe, in Romania, and you were playing for Sparta in Luxembourg when the call came. Was it? An, was it? An, I know how persuasive Mark can be, so I mean, it was, it was clearly an easy decision following the phone call. But how happy were you that you made that decision? Uh, I'm very happy with the decision I made, and to come here and experience life in Cork in the Ireland way, and you know, it was it couldn't be any better. Um, and the same question that Carrie beautifully answered there, the Cork accent, as as fast as it is and as you know, wild as it gets sometimes, how quickly did you understand what was going on? Uh, it took a little while, but you know, like trying to speak English with other people from different countries, you kind of pick up practice. on it. So like she said, you just say, yeah, wave, smile until you actually understand. So it took took like a week or two, but now it's fine. Yeah, we have to mention here the sponsors of Gladware as well. The address hotel clearly have been very, very good to both of you, as well as UCC Sport for their sponsorship. But having that base, Tierney, having that just, you know, okay, I'm settled. You know, the team are behind me, the management are behind me. From a from a basketball player's point of view, you do you want to focus on what you do on the court, but that makes life so much easier. Oh, it absolutely does. And like you go to a lot of clubs and they say that they're family oriented and that you can rely on them. But at the end of the day, can you really We're here? They keep their word. They keep their promise. And it makes it a lot easier when everyone is behind you. Um, Carrie, just finally on that, like living in around Cork city, like it's, it's a lovely city. It's, it's an, an you're, you're coming in a kind of a very cold time of the year as well, just getting used to the environs and just get, you know, it's, it's, you know, training is quite intensive when the season is up and running. Matches are coming thick and fast at the weekends. But keeping yourself occupied and having an outlet to do what you want to do. How important was it that you had a city like Cork that isn't that big, but is still big enough, you know, to, to, make, to make it feel homely? Uh, yeah, it's very important. I think uh, I tell everybody one of the weird things is that I'm safe here. <laughs> so, like, my, my walk to the Mardike's about 50 minutes, 45 if I'm walking fast. But, uh, but like, that's kind of my outlet because Cork is such a safe city. Um, I don't mind walking to the gym because that's a time for me to just reflect and have, have a little me time before I go to the gym and after I go to the gym. So it's, it's good to have Cork what the city's like, what, 20 minutes from where I'm at. So it's like a perfect outlet if I want to like, if I do want to go out to eat or if me and T do want to see the city or get a taxi and go somewhere. So it's like in the perfect location. So you really don't have any complaints there at all. And it's a beautiful city. Like you said, it's not too big and it's not too small. Everything is walking distance. So it's great. And now that you've both mastered the accent, you can understand what's going on at 100 miles an hour, which is something you can take home eventually as well. Let's move on to the 2022. Um, and the, the 
the cup final. I want to talk about that because the address UCC, you produced an unbelievable fourth quarter comeback to overcome DCU Mercy 72-65 in the Ensure My House.ie basketball Paddy O'Connor Women's National Cup final at the National Basketball Arena in, in January. Um, I'll start with you, Carrie. You're 12 points down at the start of the fourth quarter in that cup final. You know, it's things aren't going to plan. Things aren't going necessarily the way you would have liked them to have gone. This is where your management team and this is where your experience come in because everyone has to pull together now. There's no point in panicking. You're 12 down. You've got to do something about it. How, like that comeback and that performance, was that the address UCC, Dan Meyer in a nutshell, what you are, just a proper, you know, full-on press court basketball team and coming from, from so far behind to win the trophy? Yeah, I mean, if you think about our season, um, I mean, think about it. We're the team who's had Americans come in and come out, come in and come out. So we're, we've we've been used to those kind of distractions and and being kind of looked down. I mean, you, when you have big time players like like uh, Claire Melia and Anya, like they led that charge for us. Like you know what I'm saying. And then our players coming off the bench doing their part. Like all of that is just us persevering, persevering, which is what we've been doing all season. Uh, someone goes down with an injury, someone steps up, or whatever the case may be. So the season hasn't been easy for us at all, um, on and off the court. But the thing that helped us prevail was that we relied on each other. We battled together. We never really separated or like, oh, I should have done this. It's like, no, we can't change it now. What we can do is what got us here. And what got us here is playing hard and playing together. And then that that just took over. And, and we're genuinely happy for one another. So if you want something bad enough, you sacrifice for the team. And we were all looking for each other. Like, okay, who's open? Who's doing this? Who's hot right now? And when you have a team that's selfless like that, it's hard to beat them because every team, like usually it's, it's the hard work that pushes you over, but a team that works hard and has great chemistry and trust in our coaching staff like we do, that's why we're so hard to beat, if you ask me, in my opinion. Uh, and I am. And I think the word that I would hear from you there is resilient. It's a word I've used with Mark Scandal in previous interviews. This is a resilient team. It's not a, a one person. Now, Claire stood up and stepped forward and Anya stepped up that day. You both stepped up at important scores but the resilience of the team as well when it came to the league, but especially in that cup final, I think that's the best way of describing the address UCC, Glenn Meyer, Kerry. I would Um, definitely agree with that. Okay. Uh, And Tierney, from your point of view, Kerry mentioned there two players that we've interviewed as well here on the Big Red Bench quite extensively throughout the season. I mean, Anya McKenna, uh, you know, her experience and just what she's achieved in the game already is one thing, but Claire Melia stepping up as the MVP in that cup cup final victory, um, ending up at 21 points. I mean, you must be hugely impressed, not just with those two players, if you want to just comment on them, but the the team and, and the depth of the team as well. How important that was for you this year? Uh, well, for me coming in, you know, I only played two games previous with them. So the first game I was trying to get into the flow and see how everybody played. And um, just from that, like Anya's leadership and telling us, not telling us, but helping us like what we have to do as a team better and where we need to be. And then Claire, she's quiet. So she just kind of points and claps and then she'll say a joke here and there. Um So having two games under the belt and then coming to that stage and being in the situation we were in, uh, you know, they performed very well in in the long run. Like Claire, to me, she had a quiet 21 points. Like it just wasn't like, oh, Claire, she's killing it. You know, like after it's like, what? Dang, she ended up with 21 points because it didn't seem like that much. But when time needs to be, people step up with the big time shots and, you know, the big time plays. But that's just how the team is this year here. 
Yeah, and that, you mentioned the team again there, Tierney, and it leads nicely on to the fact that following that cup success, the address UCC Glanmire went on to claim the misquote to the Women's Super League title and a final day, lovely capacity crowd to watch you beat uh, Trinity Meteors 81-53. But Tierney, you've had a good look uh, this year at in, at the entire, I suppose, not, not so much the roster, but the entire you know league. You've had a good look at all the different teams, Brunel, you've had a look at Wildcats, DCU Mercy, Colester. What's your overall impression of the quality, Tierney, of Irish women's basketball? Um, honestly, it's a tough league, you know, coming in, I didn't even know Ireland had a league. (laughs) So I was playing in Luxembourg and it's the same kind of structured league, you know, three practices, four practices a week, not very professional in terms of basketball, you know, everyone works or goes to school and then comes. Um, but just to see, I think it's the heart and like the fight that the Irish girls have in the league is here. It's always a competition like you never know what you're going to come up against like in the cup final we were down to dcu going into the fourth quarter we played them two weeks ago and it was a whole different outcome mm-hmm. so i just think it's as good as the day you play but you never you never know like don't take anything for granted in this league because you can end up losing it's a good point and carrie uh let's talk about mark scannell uh, the coach, the person, and how important he and his management team as well. I think sometimes Mark, you know, gets a lot of the quotes and a lot of the headlines, and he's the first one to mention his management team, the people that help him. How impressed were you with how they handled everything this year? Uh, really impressed. Uh, very a big thing with me is communication, um, and that's something that they all do. And I'm very comfortable going to any of them. Um, like, it's it's funny what was it, last week? No, a couple of weeks ago, we were having practice. I was kind of out, like, in and out with my head injury or whatever, whatever I was having. And I was sitting there, and one of my goals is to be an assistant coach. And so I'm sitting there. I told him I'm job shadowing Ronan because Ronan's our assistant coach. But just getting to pick his brain about things, and then throughout the week when we go shoot, Kenneth is working us out and just picking his brain about things. And uh, even, like, the president of the club, Timmy, like, he's uh, they're all approachable people. And I think that's easy. It's easy to coach players if you are approachable, because even if I, even if Mark's busy talking to someone else, I could easily go to someone else and ask, hey, hey, this play, what are you looking for? What should I be looking for? And I think they do a good job of listening to us as well. So it's like, as much as I'm learning from them, they're also learning from me. What do you see here? What do you see there? Um, amazing men, great men. Um, they're just really, they're really good for Glenn Meyer. They're really good for Glenn Meyer. We wouldn't have a big success without them as well. Everybody plays a huge role and they do it really well. That's very well said. And just finally, uh, the season is not over, even though you've claimed two very important, two major trophies. There's still uh, the misquote of the Champions Trophy that, uh, up for grabs. And Tierney, you face DCU Mercy, a team you know pretty well at this stage in your next outing. How much are you looking forward to that? To play the team again. You know, we had, they're going to come in with a revenge because the cup final and then last weekend and they beat Colester by three. So it's, it's exciting. It's an exciting time. You know, it's always great to play for another medal. So we just have to focus in with what we know, how to, what we know what to do best and how to play and just enjoy Sunday. And Carrie, just finally for you as well, would be a nice way to end the season with another trophy. Yes. It, 
I already told the girls that I want three gold medals and I'm walking through security with all three of them on. That's my plan. <laughs> well, that's a that's a lovely uh, image to finish on, I think, and hopefully one that can be achieved. It's been, look, uh, on behalf of myself and everybody here at the Big Red Bench, we've admired your work on the court, but it's been a real pleasure to speak to both Carrie Shepard and Tierney Furman today. We wish you all the best in the Miss Quota the Champions Trophy. It's already been a fantastic season and we're delighted that you've settled in so well to Cork and have mastered the uh, accent and the language as well, which is uh, to Carrie and to Tierney. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. This week's Formula One segment includes women in sport podcast Formula One expert Sarah McKenzie reviewing the Bahrain Grand Prix, analyzing the main talking points from Ferrari's Charles Leclerc's unexpected victory, what's next for Red Bull, Hass's unexpected pace, and much, much more. Now to welcome back to our resident Formula One expert Sarah McKenzie, who joins us to review what was a fantastic opening round of the new 2022 Formula One season. Sarah, welcome back. Thank you so much. Yeah, really excited to talk about the race. God, we picked a good time to pick up on Formula One and get a female a female Formula One expert who knows exactly what she's talking about because from last week, a lot of the things you spoke about, a lot of the new changes to the laws that you changed about the different cars and how they were going about their business and setting up differently, which would lead hopefully to more overtaking, Boy, did that deliver and what a race and what a result as well for Ferrari. Unbelievable, yeah. The proof was really in the pudding with the regulation changes. I mean, even there were scraps still happening up to lap 10, which is normally not the case. Things kind of, a bit of a hectic kind of overtaking for the first few laps and then things settled down. But that wasn't really the case at all until the middle of the race in Bahrain. And the... um, the result for Ferrari is fantastic. I think Leclerc looked very strong in particular. Carlos Sainz said after the race he didn't feel like he had as much pace, but I mean, they still finished with a 1-2. And there was an unbelievable fight between Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc. It was almost like Groundhog Day at one point. Max overtaking Charles using DRS on the straight, only to lose the spot again in turn four. It happened two laps in a row. And then, you know, Leclerc kind of copped on and and picked a, a better line and Max locked up on his third attempt. So there was, it just had everything. It was really, really exciting. And, you know, obviously pretty big concerns reliability-wise for Red Bull and then performance-wise for Mercedes. But I think if you had said to them at the beginning of the weekend, you're going to get a P3, I think they would have probably told you that was impossible. Mm-hmm. So it's um, it's definitely set things up for a championship where there's going to be many more teams in the mix as opposed to just one or two big hitters. Which is great news, and especially great news for Ferrari fans like myself. Um, can I just ask you briefly, Max wasn't too happy afterwards, was he? Yeah, he wasn't happy. Um, he suggested that you know he could have overtaken Charles. He could have kind of had track position, which a lot of times teams will opt for track position as opposed to bringing a car into the pits. And he felt as though the team kind of put him at a disadvantage there. There were some very wily folks actually did a breakdown of the exact timings of it and they proved that he would statistically have been able to do that. So mm. I think with Max, you know, he's he's a very headstrong, very talented kind of young guy. And I think you kind of sometimes have to take it with a grain of salt. Indeed you do. Um, another thing uh, that struck me and struck yourself as well here from this particular race was the impact of tyres and the pit stop strategy, which was very interesting, Sarah. Yeah, a lot more um, three-stop strategies than you would ever normally see in a race. And that that was even before the safety car came out. So a lot of the time when 
drivers pit under a safety car, it's considered to be a free pit stop because essentially there's no overtaking happening. So they don't lose place, but they still get to change their tyres. But it played a big part. A lot of the teams were experimenting with their driver pairing. So they'll put one tyre on one driver's car and another tyre on another driver's car just to really figure out exactly which tyre was the best. And people probably actually realised as well that there were some aesthetic changes. The wheel rim covers made a return after being banned in 2010. So folks probably noticed that McLaren very cleverly used that as a marketing opportunity. They actually have Google branding on their wheel rims, which is um, it's an interesting one. And people probably also noticed weight control winglets on the front two tyres of all the cars. So they were this slightly awkward looking black canopies that sat on the inner side of the tyre. And they're also new and their job is essentially to control the weight coming off the front tyres and direct it away from the rear wing. So lots of interesting things happening with tyres, which prior to this year wouldn't necessarily have been the most interesting topic, but they definitely are this season. Indeed they are. Now at the t- at the front we had McLaren, we had Ferrari and we had um, Red Bull as we expected, but one of the big stories coming out of this, Sarah, and I know you want to talk about them, is the comeback of Haas and how well they did. Unbelievable. Honestly, you know, if, if folks aren't aware, the team parted ways with Nikita Mazepin and brought back a driver called Kevin Magnussen who had driven for them previously and he actually ended up finishing fifth, which if anyone watched half over the past two seasons would have felt, again, impossible. But he was actually the last driver that had scored points for the team before he lost his seat for the um, the most recent season. And he's now come back and in his first race scored points again. So that must be a massive feeling of redemption for him. And Mick Schumacher also actually almost scored his first points in Formula 1. He just finished 11th. So just outside of the points, but he drove a fantastic race. And that was including having to recover from an early spin, which he had as a result of a collision with Esteban Ocon. But I think, you know, neutrals, no matter what team you're a fan of, everyone on social media was absolutely thrilled for half um, because they've had such a tired time of it. So we'll see now if they're, if they're able to continue that through the season. Yeah, it would be brilliant to see it, as you said, Magnussen's return and following uh, Miazeman because uh, obviously he's a Russian national and it was asked to leave the the organisation. Uh, it, it's it's a fairy tale for one round, but as you said, let's see if they can get that consistency and stay in the even in midfield, even and pick up some points. We're here in the end of the season. It would be a, a fantastic turnaround. Now, all the positivity about the teams you mentioned at the front, a disastrous weekend for McLaren, but a happy ending as well. Yeah, yeah. So they. The qualifying had been really poor for them. Uh, they started with Norris in 13th and with Ricardo in 11th. And they both started on the medium tyre, thinking it might help them to go a bit longer than all the other teams. Unfortunately, it didn't. All the other teams kind of just went and took their place back. And McLaren are actually using a Mercedes engine. And at the halfway point of the race, the bottom six cars were all running Mercedes engines, which... If you think about the Mercedes dominance over the last seven or eight years, it's really shocking, to be honest. Wow. And they they did eventually manage to pull it back amongst all the kind of drama in the final third. So Norris finished 15th and Ricardo was in 14th. And it is worth mentioning, to be fair, it was Daniel Ricardo's first time getting an actual race-length session in because he had COVID for the final week of testing. So he might get a small excuse there. But I think, you know, given that the, these drivers were competing with Ferrari last season it was definitely really difficult for them and I think 
they recognise that they have an awful lot of work to do to kind of pull themselves back to, to where they were last year. Yeah, and like the happy ending that I mentioned is the fact that they finished 13th and 18th considering yeah. the disaster that they had. But as you said, there's a lot yeah. of mitigating circumstances. Daniel Ricciardo was out for so long and Norris is still, I think he's still trying to find his feet, but there, there seems to be pace there. But we'll see, as with Haas, how they go as the season progresses. Sarah, we're just out of our first weekend, so many talking points and already we're looking ahead to the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix this weekend. What are you most looking forward to this weekend? I think, so I think really just more of the same, to be honest. I think, you know, we were, everyone that was watching, I think, got very, very excited on Sunday. And I think what we'll need to see to prove that this is kind of going to continue is more of the same, you know, more of the overtaking, more of multiple teams being in the running for a championship. So I think I, I'm I'm doing my best to calm myself down a small <laughs> bit after after how exciting the first race was, but hopefully it continues to deliver on uh, on the excitement that we saw. Yes, and for anybody that hasn't seen it, it's it's on social media. There is in camera footage. It's actually helmet footage from Charles Leclerc and the overtaking for about a lap between himself and Max Verstappen. I don't know if you've seen it, Sarah, but it's outstanding driving, excitement, wheel to wheel, and this is what we want. This is what we as Formula One fans and you as an expert. This is what you want. Exactly. I mean, as much as I love Lewis Hamilton, you know, it does at the same time when I was watching Michael Schumacher going around and around, you know, having the same people win all the time, it does get old and you do want to see new drivers, um, you know, coming to the forefront. And they're, they're certainly a huge, there's actually a slew of really talented young drivers in F1 at the moment. So to see them come to the forefront is, is fantastic. It is indeed, and we look forward to talking about it all the way through this year's Formula One Championship, as we said, with our uh, motorsport content creator and clearly an expert on the subject, Sarah McKenzie. Sarah, where can we find out even more in-depth knowledge and analysis from you online? Yeah, absolutely. So folks want to search my full name, Sarah McKenzie, on YouTube. And if you want to add Formula Woman to that as well, you'll be able to see the competition that I was involved in with that last year as well. Excellent stuff. Sarah, it's been a pleasure as always and we look forward to your analysis and post-race breakdown of what happens, pardon the pun, in the Formula 1 weekend and Saudi Arabia. Thank you very much for joining us on the Big Red Bench. Fantastic. Thanks, sir. Missed the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Corks Red FM. Munster Hockey Piero Graham Catchpole joins me to review a massive St. Patrick's Day of Munster Women's Hockey Finals involving numerous car clubs, including Bandon, UCC, and Harlequin. St. Patrick's Day was one of the busiest and most successful days out for the Munster Hockey. Um, organisation for both men's and women's. There was a plethora of cup finals and we're delighted to be joined by the Munster Hockey Piero, Graeme Catchpole, to look back at those. Graeme, you're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench. Thanks for having me again, Ger. Good to talk to you. Let's start with uh, let's start with the women's Munster Senior Cup final. I say, uh, and, and I got will I know now you want to talk. You might necessarily want to dwell too long on this, but what a fantastic final! Harlequins and UCC. You obviously are the manager of uh, the UCC team, but it proved or it turned out to be from the match reports that I've read and from the feedback online, quite the final. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely brilliant final. Um, two teams, I suppose, that were were definitely well matched on the day. Um, UCC probably got off to the, the, the stronger start and, 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 and put two goals in in the first quarter and um, we're looking kind of in good shape at, at that stage but um, credit to Quinns, they, they really fought back and probably dominated the second quarter and got a goal just before just before the break. Um, then I suppose the, the second half was very much one-sided with Quinns kind of throwing 
throwing caution to the wind and, and, and trying to get that equaliser. I suppose towards the end of the game, they got that equaliser. Um, and then it goes to the, the dreaded shootout, um, which I suppose neither team was, was exactly all that excited by. But um, it, it's always a tough way to, to lose, but obviously a nice way to win. Yes, but heartbreaking from you and your players' point of view. Obviously, um, the goals from Quinn's coming from Yvonne O'Byrne and Rachel O'Shea and UCC's goals being scored by Abby O'Mani and Emma Cripps. No one likes to lose a cup final at any stage, but to lose it on a shootout is very, very difficult. But I would imagine, Graham, you're still very proud of your players and the effort that's been put in this year by UCC and the strides that you've taken. Absolutely, absolutely. The team has been absolutely brilliant this year. And, and, and credit to Harlequins as well, because Harlequins have had a, t- a tough season um, in, in EY1 and, and have got very few, I suppose, uh, positive results in, in EY1. Uh, but they'll definitely, uh, you know, take heart from winning the, winning the final and, and taking the trophy and something from the year. Um, for, for our group, I suppose, our, you know, our next challenge, I suppose, is to, is to try and, and, you know, go, go a step further and, and in EY2 and, and qualify. So we, we have a couple of exciting games to look forward to ourselves. So, um, definitely, uh, you know, a busy few weeks ahead for, for the, for the UCC squad as they, they, they plan for the, you know, to make a drive, I suppose, to get yeah. up to EY1. Excellent stuff. Let's talk about the, that was the Women's Munster Senior Cup final, won by, UC, or won by Hard, um, Harlequins, 2-1 on a shootout following a 2-2 draw with UCC. But just prior to that, the Women's Munster Senior Plate final between Ashton and Bandon proved just as exciting, Graham. Yeah, a real humdinger of a, of a match. And I think as we predicted last week, it was going to be a really close affair. Um, so, so this game had plenty of goals. It ended up three all, and, and really they were, you know, there was never a goal more than a goal between them. Um, so uh, I think Ashton went ahead first through through um, Kate Harvey, and then 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 Bandon took the lead through Maya McCourt, who got who got two. Um, Emily O'Leary and and Jill Roberts then put Ashton ahead before Olivia Roycroft, who, who recently returned, um, got an equaliser. Um, so again, we were we were down to a shootout at the end, and. Um, this time, um, Ashton came out three-two, um, winners in the end. So again, a very, very uh, entertaining final, and uh, certainly, certainly one that um, will, will live long in the memory of the, the supporters. Indeed, it will. So commiserations to Bannon there, but congratulations to Ashton, uh, a club that we featured on this podcast a few uh, episodes ago as well, and they still are going strong. Now, the rest of the day, there was lots of finals going on, but we're going to focus just on three more in the roundup. The Women's Division 3 and 4 Combined Cup Final, Crescent defeating Cork Wanderers in the Women's Division 5 and 6 Combined Cup Final, Quinns getting a 1-0 win over Cork Wanderers, and then the Under-16 Division 1 Cup Final, um, another shootout, uh, Cashel New Inn and Quinns drawing one odd before Cashel New Inn won. 2-0 on a shootout those three finals lots of excitement big days out for each of the teams involved again Graham and some plenty of action and excitement right to the end yeah absolutely I actually managed to catch most of the the under 16 uh, girls cup final which was really fiercely contested between between Harlequins and Cash and Nguyen um, and it just kind of shows the standard I suppose at, at that age group you know that has really come up over the last couple of years and, and Cash and Nguyen in, in, in fairness to them I suppose have I've maybe had one or two seasons where, where they haven't been at the, the top table at the senior level, but you can see that there's, there's, there's a really good group of, of, of underage girls coming through there. Um, they, they, they won the final, uh, two, two nil on a shootout again. Again, a really, a really close final. Um, as indeed all the, the, the finals were on that day. Indeed, they were. And just a word on Harlequins and the, the facilities and just having so many matches. We haven't even mentioned the men's games here that took part on St. Patrick's Day. It's a really big day out for Munster Hockey and all positive feedback online and from the reports and stuff. It must be, must be very, um, you know, you must be glad to hear that, Graham. 
yeah, there was a huge effort put in by the, the club, in fairness, um, from, from people doing the car park to, to people running the bar and, you know, giving out uh, teas and sandwiches. And, um, yeah, it was it was a serious operation that they they, they, uh, they, they really, um, they organized it so well. And um, on the day, I suppose, you know, we got the, we got the weather for it, which was which was brilliant. And um, we definitely got the support for it as well. Um, loads of people in the, the hockey community and beyond up there on the day. So um, fair play to Harlequins for putting up a, a great show. Indeed, well done. And just to finish up um, on this week's uh, Roundup, Graham, um, a lot of action coming up in the next couple of weeks, but uh, some important fixtures for the Munster Under-18 Interpros. Yeah, I suppose I suppose the big one really, I suppose, is is, is, is two weeks away where, where the Under-18 girls um, will, will be taking on Leinster in the final of the, the Interpros. So, so that's one to really watch out for. Um, it, it, it's a great opportunity for the girls to... Uh, to win an Interpro title, um, I suppose they're maybe few and far between for for Munster side to, to win Interpro titles. But um, I think this group really have a genuine uh, strong chance, um, led by Ivana Byrne, um, uh, who's who's the head coach there. They've a really strong management team there as well behind them, um, and some really really strong players that will hopefully go on to to represent Ireland in the future. Brilliant. So, sounds good. And we might even get a chance to talk to Yvonne on next week's podcast and preview that big game for the Munster Under-18s. But for now, Munster Hockey PRO, uh, Graham Catchball, thank you for your time. And we'll talk to you again soon on The Big Red Bench. Thanks again, Jerry. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM. Munster Women Rugby Chairperson Wendy Keenan joins me on The Big Red Bench for another review of the past week's Munster Provincial Headlines. It is that time of the week again where we get the latest uh, update from all that is happening in the Munster Women's Rugby scene and we're delighted to be joined once again by Chairperson of the Munster Women's Rugby Committee, Wendy Keenan. Wendy, how are you? I'm great, Jerry. Thanks very much for having us back again this week. Yes, uh, week after week, more and more matches, more and more finals and lots of talking points. And we start uh, with information on the upcoming schools, junior and senior finals. Yeah, last week we had the school semi-finals and we had a beautiful day in Musgrave Park with the sun shining and they didn't disappoint. Um, Ardskull Vera Corbally defeated Bandon Grammar 24-17 in the Junior Cup final. I suppose it was a duel to the dying minutes really of the game. Very exciting. Um, however, Ardskull Vera did have a few standout players and um, they did come out on top and those standout players included um, the twins, um, Hannah and Katie Hare, Aoife Grimes, um, Jodie Ellis and Lucia Tapau. Um, many might might recognise that name from Munster Rugby, but her older sister actually plays on the Munster Senior Squad. Um, and Bandon then their out half had a was their standout player, um, Sophia Stork Badia was um, had a lovely game of rugby. So um, great junior semi final, and that was followed then by the senior semi final, and that was between um, Bandon Grammar. And Villiers and Bandon Grammar just proved too strong and too experienced really for the Villiers team. Um, Lucia Ling uh, was Bandon's standout player on the day and Lucia is included in the under 18 Irish training squad. So she's an exciting few weeks ahead of her, ahead of her in relation to, to her rugby. So next Wednesday, the 30th of March, um, we'll be, it'll be one for the history books when the first ever girls schools cup finals take place. So they're taking place in Musgrave Park. So first up will be the junior cup final. So that'll be Ardskulvera, where they face St. Anne's Community College of Killaloo. And in the Senior Cup final, Bandon Grammar face 
St. Anne's uh, Community College Kaloo. So two very exciting matches. I'm sure St. Anne's Community College would love to take home both cups, um, you know, creating history on, on, on the opening final, but a uh, very exciting time. Indeed it is, and it's great to see, um, you know, St. Anne's Kaloo contesting two finals, but also as well for Art School Vera and for Bandit Grammar here from Cork as well, an opportunity for some glory in what would be a very, very important day for Munster women's rugby and one not to be missed. Now let's turn our attention to the Youth Cup finals. There's a big game tonight, Wendy, and also some busy, uh, busy weekend ahead of Youth Cup finals as well. Yeah, as we move into the next couple of weeks now, we have a lot of cup finals um, coming up. But tonight we have the under-18 cup final, um, and that will be played um, in Thurles this evening, and that's between Ennis and it, uh, versus a Tipperary amalgamation of Carrigan Shore, Feathers and Thurles. Um, this game had to be brought forward because six of the girls involved with those clubs will be at Irish training at the weekend over the next couple of weeks weekend so a very exciting battle is expected from both clubs so I'm really looking forward to seeing that match this evening and at the weekend weekend, sorry I was just going to say at the weekend as well just in terms of the fact that that game is brought forward that's a clear sign that players are going very well at club level and you will be rewarded at club level um, by being picked up being watched by both provincial and now international coaches even at this uh, at that young age yeah, absolutely. I mean, I suppose it's about creating pathways for all the girls, whether it be in school, whether it be in clubs, whether it be in sevens or fifteens. And, um, you know, we have regional squads going at 16 and 18 as well. They'll move into a residential camp now at Easter, um, you know, having come out of their six-week programme blocks. Um, so, yeah, so there's, there's lots of opportunities for girls really to progress um, in the game at the moment. And it was, we'll be heading to, to the new facility in Feathers um, at the weekend, the new Rugby Centre of Excellence for Munster. And we'll have three finals on. So we'll have in the under-16 bowl final, Balina Killaloo versus Skibbereen. In the plate final, we'll have under-16, it will be Carrie Carlett versus Bruff. And the under-18 plate final will be the final match of the day. And that'll be uh, Dolphin versus Balina Killaloo. So um, the three finals and we'll have four again the following weekend. So a busy couple of weekends coming up for us. Indeed it is. And it's great to see Feather and that that new facility getting used as well. It's going to be used quite a lot, I would imagine, over the coming years. And a big day for that club and with three very good and very con- very eagerly anticipated finals to look forward to. We now turn our attention back to the X7s, um, Wendy. And this is a subject we've been speaking on and off about over the last couple of weeks. But because of uh, weather conditions, it hasn't happened. But it is going ahead now. It is, yeah, it's going ahead this evening, actually. So it'll take place um, in Prez uh, grounds in Denny's Cross. The under-16s and the under-18s, we separated out the under-14s. Um, so that's taking place today. So if anybody's passing and wants to pop in and see some 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 of the girls' sevens uh, competition going on, that'll be going on throughout the day. So um, wonderful opportunity. As I said, mentioned with 52 applications to play in that competition. So um, just shows you the growth of the game within the school setup, um, And that will carry forward into our 15 schools cups and no doubt next season. Brilliant. And finally, we're going to do a recap of a Division 2 Cup semi-final between Bantry and Waterpark from last weekend. Yeah, so I suppose, look, as the scoreline suggests, this was a very tight affair. Bantry 10, Waterpark 12. I did mention a couple of weeks ago that Waterpark have been growing in strength 
you know, um, since Christmas um, and, and putting the wind, a couple of wins under their belts. But Waterpark did start with um, the better of the two teams with a wonderful try earlier on from Jay Missy Rochford. And that was followed up by another try by Alicia Flynn and uh, Chloe Burks um, converted, making it uh, 12, 12 nil. But Beth Hayes from Bantry had a strong performance with tries in both halves. And I just want to mention the Waterpark captain, Becca Doyle. She had a player of the match performance um, for her team. And now they face um, the league winner, Skibbereen, in the final. So a very exciting cup final coming up in Division 2 between Skibbereen and Waterpark in the coming weeks. Brilliant. And that's something else for us to look forward to and to talk about and to preview and to recap, Wendy, as ever, in an ever-growing list of uh, Munster Women's Rugby subjects to talk about. Once again, thank you for your analysis and for all your knowledge and passing it on to us here at the Big Red Bench. And we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you very much, Ger. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. It was another stellar weekend of Cork Camogie performances. Jerry Wallace's Cork minor team edged Tipperary following a gripping encounter in the Tesco All-Ireland minor semi-finals. And I spoke to the Cork minor manager to review that match and look ahead to Saturday's All-Ireland final appearance against Galway in Semple Stadium. We'll also hear from Cork Under-16 manager Donny Daly on his side's Munster Championship opening round victory over Waterford and the Cork Intermediate manager Trevor Coleman on his team's victory away to Meath to qualify for a Littlewoods National Camogie Division 2 quarterfinal. Now, as ever, it is a thrill to talk to the Cork minor Camogie manager Jerry Wallace who's uh, been on with us on the Big Red Bench quite a lot over the last number of weeks and months but it's even better to talk to him to, uh, right now because Cork have reached the Tesco All-Ireland Minor Final following a nail-biter over Tipperary, winning 1-7-0-9. Jerry, congratulations, first of all, from everybody here that listened to us on the, on the Big Red Bench. Uh, listen, Ger, we very much appreciate it. And uh, I suppose it's Monday, Monday evening and we're still buzzing after our performance of yesterday. And I suppose following on from the week before. But listen, we're really proud today. And I know the girls are very proud and delighted and the players and everyone involved with the team because, uh, yeah, yesterday was, was one of those fabulous moments in sport. So it was fabulous moment and a fabulous moment for Cork Camogie. Indeed it was. And a deserved one, Jerry, because, I mean, look, you're, you're up against, you know, one of the serious, serious counties when it comes to Camogie in this country, in Tipperary, always well prepared, always up for the battle. How important, I mean, obviously, like Orla Cahillan's goal, you know, was crucial when you look back on it now, but how, how important was Orla Cahillan's goal when it arrived? Uh, it arrived at a very important juncture in the game. There, um, people would have to be in there again yesterday. I suppose we've been contesting this year in the elements, like the, the natural elements, we'll say, like the wind, the rain, and the underfoot conditions, quite difficult. Yesterday was exactly the same as what we've encountered all year long. There was a there was a very 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 strong wind blowing down the field and Tipperary uh, won the won the toss and played with the wind and we were we were back to the wall at the time and um, in fairness to Orla like as she has proven in the, the match previous against Waterford and in the earlier campaigns like she she pulled us a great goal at the right important moment of the game fierce important score to get and. Um, Onwards and upwards afterwards, like we battled on and Orla contributed a few more points to the, to the occasion. She's also stepped up and she's taking the freeze for us at the moment. So, like, we've got to be very impressed with her, like, you know, very, very impressed, Ger. Indeed, you do. And I've seen firsthand why you would say that, Jerry, but you're also the first to admit that this is a panel effort 
and it had to be a panel effort against Tipperary. But once again, I want to like your forwards are so talented and they come up with the scores when the time is there. Your midfielders work and work and work. You have game changers off the bench, but I'm going to point the finger on this podcast in this edition at your defence and at your goalkeeper because another clean sheet against a really quality forward line. You must have been you and your management team uh, must have been delighted with their effort as well. Well, I suppose to look the result and to put it into context, like it's a very important moment in in the development pathway and the careers of these Kabogi players, of these Cork players, age seventeen to eighteen. Like for them to be reaching the latter stages of the intercounty competition at minor, um, it's it's so important to them in their development and in the competitive in their competitive spirit, uh, in their ability to handle the pressures, in their ability to make split second decisions, and like the two thousand and twenty All Ireland Minor Camogie Championship has provided a massive competition for Cork. Like the games have been so close. Um the, the counties that would be considered counties that are not successful have are making massive strides. So, like, I think there has been very little between Kilkenny, Galway, Tipperary, Waterford, and Cork. But I have to give great kudos to our from number one out to number eight and nine. Like the the defence is absolutely fantastic, and I don't want to be putting any one of those individuals up on a pedestal at this one time. But collectively together as a unit. They're, they're, they're a disciplined group of young people, so they are. Like, we got the winning score within, I think it was four minutes of the finish of the game yesterday, Ger. Mm-hmm. Aoife Healy, our centre-back, went forward and plucked the ball out of the sky, broke into the space, and put the ball over from about 65 metres out. It was some score and also trust. But what was really impressive after that was the discipline of our defence. Our defence hunted, they tackled, they remained within the rules of the game and the referee got no opportunity or Tipperary got no opportunity during that period of time to get a score so I think there's great credit due to the girls for showing that discipline and also for showing what they've learnt in the training field with us and bringing that onto the pitch like on a pressure situation in a pressure cooker where like winner took all yesterday like there was no room for a sentiment just there was no room for leaving it behind because that was its season over like we're there now, and it's there. we're there because of our group. Not alone the 15 that started, but I think the other 15 subs, that makes our 30. And because of the COVID situation this year, I was given permission to bring in four more just to cover, and we needed them because yesterday I had two more out with COVID yesterday. So like it's been a huge movement of young 18-year-olds, 17- and 18-year-olds, and successfully so far for Cork. Like. It certainly has been successfully so far for you, Jerry. Very quickly... How important yes. was the test you got from Waterford in the previous round going to extra time when you look back now and how you battled past Tipperary? Uh, I think I think this is this is these 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 games have 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 put into practice everything that we've done on the coaching pitch over the last number of months with the girls. And I think the game against Waterford was was absolutely massive because we came up against a team that had that were very well prepared and like that was proven by the way the game went all the way to extra time a few minutes into the extra time before we were able to get over them but I think our girls are learning to win and learning to win in, in very competitive situations and look if I had one wish list for the weekend ahead I would love to see our girls just opening up now and playing to their ability like 
Like the shackles are off now, Ger. It's an All Ireland final day, and there's no need for nervousness. There's no need for apprehension. There's just they just need to go out now and express themselves and stick to what we've been doing, you know, and improve a few little items like winning more of the uh, the rocks and the untidy ball, and possibly look on searching for more scores against our opponents. Like I think that would be wonderful now. And we're really looking forward to Sunday, so we are now. We're looking forward to next Sunday. We don't know the venue yet, and we don't know the time, but we do know that it's fixed in the calendar for next Sunday. You do indeed, Jerry, and you also now know that you're facing Galway, and you know the challenge that this is going to pose. You know Galway, uh, Camogie, pretty, uh, very, very well from your time involved with Cork Camogie, as good and as tough as Waterford and Tipperary have been, and they have been, in fairness to both uh, sets of panels and coaches. This is a real test. This is no, sorry, not a real test, but this may well be the toughest test of the year. And that's saying something when you consider how good Tipperary and Waterford have been against you. You're going to have to be at your uh, best, Jerry. Oh, we're going to have to be at our best. But you're like, you must remember now, like this is Galway Cork and this is Galway and Cork. So like this is a repeat of last year's All-Ireland Senior Final. This is like you've Galway Cork to Kingy. They're at the cutting edge of Camogie in Ireland every year. And here we are now at the minor, the age group where before players head up into the senior. This is a repeat of the 2018 minor final, Ger. This is a repeat of what happened exactly in that year. We met them in the league section and then we went on and met them in the final. And this this game is going to bring the best out of our players, I think. I think it's ideal opposition as they consider themselves one of the top Camogie counties. We respect their Camogie tradition up there in Galway. They have the Hanleys, the Red Eats, the Cochrans, the Glens, the Hickeys, the Gannons, the McNernies. They're all household names in Galway and now their daughters are playing for this team. But like we have our household names here in Cork too and we have very good Camogie players here so we have. They and us have both massive motivation to be successful on Sunday, sure. And I think we have a great, great chance because we have a chance of improving and we have improved from our first day out against Galway there are five changes from the team that met Galway on the first day to our team. So we are making increments of improvement in our group. But Cork and Galway on Sunday, great match to have. They're a great match for young people to have minors. Last year, a lot of our girls are. Last year, a lot of the girls will be with Galway. So there's massive motivation for both teams. And we're really, really looking forward to Ger on, on this Sunday coming. And we're looking forward to a big support from the Cork Camogie community. So we are on Sunday when the when the venue is decided and where we'll be playing. Well, I don't know. Every time we speak, Jerry, I, I, I sign <laughs> off by saying it's always a pleasure to speak to I don't know very many people who are as passionate about Cork Muggy as you are. Nobody like sport owes you nothing as you know better than anyone. But look yes. in terms of the the amount of work that these girls have put in same as Galway, to be fair now, but the amount of work that these Cork miners have put in, the amount of work and planning that's got into it, we wish you nothing but the best in the All-Ireland Final on Sunday. We hope for a positive result. We're going to be there with you wherever, whatever time it's on. And we look forward to talking to you again next week on the Big Red Bench. Sure, sure. I'm going to say one last thing. My players need to battle furiously, play with huge intensity, dig deep when they're not in control and be mightily disciplined next Sunday. And finally, I just hope that our players can be the best that they can be on the game day and that we can bring a title back to Cork again, Ger. We appreciate very much all the support from the Big Red Bench and from yourself and from everyone that's involved with Camogie and promoting Camogie and Cork. Cork Igaboger. The Cork Under-16 Camogie squad got their Munster Championship off to the best possible start with a 
comprehensive 119 to three points victory over Watford at uh, Castle Road last weekend. Delighted to be joined now by the manager Donny Daly on that fantastic result. Donny, how are you? Ah, oh, good, Gerard Hings. Uh, I'm really good. Um, as uh, as opening games go in a championship, that's it doesn't get much better than a, better than that result on paper. But what about the performance? Because it sounds like you were in control from start to finish. Ah, uh, yeah, Gerard. Look, the performance was was outstanding. Um, look, it wasn't. It was. I suppose we've been overly critical. It wasn't a perfect ten, uh, but it wasn't far off. And then eight, nine, nine, nine out of ten, to be honest. Um, the girls did exactly what we asked of them. Um, we had a good good talk the week before uh, on Friday. A good talk, talk on Sunday, asking them, you know, um, asking them what, what we required of them. And, you know, every one of the, the 23 girls, the 15 starters, the eight subs, um, they did, you know, they did what was what was expected, what was required. It's very hard, you know, when you're, I suppose, that far ahead. We were 13 points to one up at half time. Kind of keep our momentum going. We were playing against the win in the second half, and look, the girls were were outstanding. You know, it was a, it was a brilliant performance. Yeah, because I mean, twenty scores in any uh, under sixteen A championship match is a good return, and not conceding any goals and only conceding three points. Conditions as well, um, Donny, because the the Castle Road pitch was has been in fantastic shape considering the bad weather. It's so uh, it was probably considering what happened the day before, still a heavy pitch to play on. Yeah, but it wasn't too bad. Look again. Um, like I have to have to um, uh, credit the, the county board for the condition of the pitch. It was it was very good. There was some some heavy catches, but like look, uh, I, I I certainly uh, take that pitch um, any day of the week. It was um, as good as we expected after after the, the rain. Um, goals were a bit a bit muddy, but like look again, nothing nothing else was uh, unexpected, and you know it's. It's not. It's not hard for those girls to play on a pitch like that. If you're, if you're given that pitch and you and you're told to go and play in it, you know you you have no excuses. And it was, it was it was good, you know. Indeed, it was, and fair play to them, as you said, because I know the work that's been going in, as well as Jerry Wallace's minors playing against Waterford previously, and other matches that have been there to have the condition of the pitch, and even to have the pitch is so important yeah. at this time of the year, which is another big thing. Grainne Finn got your goal, but you got twenty scores, and they were well spread out. That must be another thing as a manager that pleased you. Yeah, look, um, I suppose. The first thing I say is, you know, we we got seven points from from midfield, you know, which is huge return from both Ava Fitzgerald and Avian O'Neill. Um, they pretty much ran the show in in the centre of the, the park, and they were a nightmare for um, Waterford's defence. They, like, they were running at him, and in fairness, we we, we told the girls if you, if you get within scoring distance, back yourself, take your take your points. And in fairness, the two, the two girls five points from Ava, two points from Avian. You know that that's brilliant. The, the the forwards, every one of them, um, you know, put in a, a, a great shift, and that's against a sweeper system that Water employed for for the for the bulk of the game, and and at one stage they had it's you no know, two sweepers inside her. So it, it was it was kind of hard for the inside forward line, and you know we were probably a bit I wouldn't say critical of them, but we certainly had a had a chat with them afterwards about you know playing against that type of a system, and it's going to be hard for them, and it's going to be frustrating. But look, just keep doing their their job. Keep keep doing what we ask them. And if the scores come from further out the field, then no, so be it. You know, it's it's, it's mm. a the panel effort is not not about anybody getting individual scores inside. Yes, and this is the thing. Even at this level, this that's what you want. You want to spread the scores. You want everybody contributing. Donny, great start for Cork. 
um, with the greatest respect to Waterford, you were clearly the stronger team in this. At this point, you'd be looking for them to carry that momentum into your next game. Unfortunately, the way it is working out, you're not going to be playing again for another while. Why is that? Yeah, five weeks, Jared. <laughs> Look, um, Munster brought in, previously in Munster, you had a state semi-final and a final. You know, there was five teams involved. Uh, you know, you, you might have had a preliminary round, but like you kind of two games and you had your, your championship run. This year, for some, I don't know, some, some reason, they decided to kind of go a backdoor system. So basically, what, what, what the setup is, we've played Waterford in the first round. Clare have played Tipperary in their first round, which leaves Limerick to come and play yet. The the losers from yesterday, which was Waterford, now play Limerick. Um, the winners of that game, if it's Waterford, will end up playing us again in the semi-final on the 24th of April. The losers of that game will end up playing the losers of the previous game, which was uh, Clare. So Limerick potentially could be playing Clare. And if Clare win that, they could be playing Tipperary again in the semi-final on the 24th of September. Now, I do know there's there's a couple of rounds of ladies' football on the 16th um, in the middle of, of April, I think the 9th and the 16th. Um, that, that could be a reason why they pushed out the power. But like I said, five weeks uh, out and, you know, it's... To be honest, and, and end up probably playing Waterford again. It's a bit bizarre, but look, we keep the girls focused. We get, we get challenge games. There's, there's a lot of minor counties looking to play us now at this stage. Um, I know we have a couple of games maybe up the country, um, and we, a lot of the clubs now will be coming back to senior clubs, and they'll they'll end up uh, for games. So look, we keep the girls busy, but again, it's it's hard. You no, know, the girls are off next week. We give them the whole week off, um, but it's yeah, it, it's kind of as long as we don't get any injuries and you know just trying to keep form between now and then is, is, is the key well that's all you can do but Donny it's the best possible start for the Cork under 16s a big win over Waterford in our Munster Championship opener uh, we look forward to talking to you again around the time when you play your next game whenever that is but in the meantime congratulations to you and your panel and well done thanks Jerry. I appreciate that thanks for your, uh, thanks a fantastic week end for Cork Camogie was uh, topped off with the Cork Intermediates travelling to Park Talton and registering a 2-12 to not 7 win over Meath which means Cork are through to the Division 2 Littlewoods League quarterfinals where this weekend they will face Galway now we don't have a venue or a time just yet but we know it's Saturday and on the line we're joined by the victorious Cork Intermediate Manager uh, Trevor Coleman Trevor congratulations on getting to the quarterfinals uh, Thanks for getting in John uh, a great victory now to be fair uh, again we didn't know travelling up there we thought the goals might be a bit sluggish but again to be fair to them they, they stood up in the first half we won the task played against the wind again like we always seem to do and the goals stood up uh, and to be fair we went 1-6 to a point up so we started well which gave us the impetus then going forward and hang on to the result you know and the great thing about it as well Joe, we, we got 7 sub line again in the second half to give goals game time, which is which is absolutely fantastic, as well, which is what we wanted out of the league. And again, our starting team from the last year had three changes or four changes also, which again gave goals game time, which hopefully they they won't complain about, you know. Yeah, I mean it's very similar to the other uh, Cork managers alongside yourself, like Donny Daly and like uh, Jerry Wallace with the minors. Like it's getting as many players game time as you possibly can, but still, you know, trying to get the result that you need and that, that you want. From your point of view, though, Trevor. Is it fair to say, like even from reading the match reports and uh, just watching in action, there's been a steady improvement, and like it, that manifested itself against Meath, who, like you know, Cork would have been 
you know, it was never going to be easy group to, to me the way from home, but scoring 212 and using the full panel shows the depth of talent that you have now. But there's been incremental improvements with each game. I think so. And if you go back to the Wexford games, I thought we were very sluggish. We were we, we, we tried to implement a new game plan, which is starting to take effect now. It, it, it look, it's, it's probably a running game. Everyone can see it. Again, that usually takes a year to two years with a team. But to be fair to the goals, they've bought into it and it is coming to fruition now. It's it's starting to take take its toll and they, they are working hard and the game time we play and that's why they need to get on so many subs or middle third or middle eight as we call it are doing an awful lot of work so again they do try coming towards the end of the game and it's great looking at it now Joe you asked a couple of weeks ago do I know my first 15 at the moment I, I don't it's too hard to tell we have goals fighting I'd say we have five or six players fighting for each line which is great for us which is what we wanted at the start of the year you know yeah, exactly what you wanted at the start of the year. Another thing, Trevor, is goals. Goals are hugely important. Now, you, you got two of them above against me, Joanne Casey and Rachel O'Shea finding the net. But as you as you progress further and you hope to, if you hope to progress, and we'll talk about it very shortly, you know, the quarterfinal coming up, you're going to need to pick off goals in tighter games. And like the fact that your team is able to do this must give you great heart going into what will be a really tough match. It is. It's, it's huge. And to be fair, look, we, we work on it in, in training an awful lot. We have an area where that they, if we do get into those areas, it's goals we want. And the goals, to be fair, are taking that on board. Like Joanne Casey again brought to defence and has has a burst of speed for her. I can't tell her age now for, for a goal or for ability, to be fair. And, and broke the line and, and finished off. And look, Ray Slushay has, has been averaging a goal a game as well, which is great for us. But the big up plus, Joe, is we're not conceding goals which is a big plus as well. Our defence are doing very well. You know, it's going to say scoring all these goals and points, but your defence has to stand up and be counted uh, as well. And, and they're doing that to be fair to them, you know. Um, reaching a quarterfinal, it's it's fantastic return for the effort and the time and the effort and, and the improvement in the players that we've just said. But this is going to be a big challenge at the weekend. And we don't know where the game is going to be uh, just yet, but irrespective of where it's at, Galway, uh, you know, and the tradition and the history that they've got when it comes to Camogie, they're going to have as serious a team out as yourselves. Um, a real test for you, Trevor, and a real test for your players. But uh, would I, is it is it a good thing that you're playing the weekend after because you can build on the momentum of the win over Meath? I, I, I think it is. I think like players want to be playing matches, so that's all they want. You know, like they'd like to train during the week and then play matches at the weekend. So yes, uh, we we prefer to be playing every week. And yes, it, it is a huge test. We're going into play one of the big, the big four as we call them in in Ireland and Galway. I know it's our second team, but again, it's hard to tell. Are they using players from their senior panel? I don't know. Looking at their program, they don't seem to be. They seem to be trying out a lot of minors from over the last few years which is what we're doing as well. We're, we're a separate panel at the moment. So, again, will they release some players there in the league final against Cork as well? Will they release some players going to play, play at the intermediate level? I don't know. It's, it's hard to tell. But, again, this is where we want to be. This is where like, Galway are, are going to be in the all Ireland series at this level. So, if we have any aspirations of trying to win an all Ireland, these are the teams we need to beat and these are the teams we need to go up against to see where we're at, you know? Well, we wish you all the best in that Division 2 Littlewoods League quarterfinal against Galway at the weekend. Um, Trevor, everybody in the big red bench will be behind you and we look forward to talking to you again afterwards. And thanks a million, Joe. And just before we go, Joe, I'd love to wish Johnny Wallace and all the minors the best look in the all Ireland final at the weekend from all the intermediate players and management as well. The Big Red Bench, Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. On this week's podcast, I spoke to St. Mary's High School Middleton coach Tomás Mocketeer, ahead of the school's Lidl All-Ireland PPS Senior A Championship final appearance against Moat Community School from County Westmeath. 
We'll also hear from Lidl Munster LGFA PPS Senior Munster Sea Champions, Coachford Community School, and their two coaches, Rebecca Murphy and Shade Creed, join me to review their marvellous season. Cork LGFA Under-14 Inter-County Manager JJ DC joins me to preview this weekend's Munster LGFA Clash with Kerry and we finish with a roundup of all the latest Cork LGFA Under-21 Championship results and scorers. Now I'm thrilled to be joined by the St Mary's High School Middleton, one of the St Mary's High School Middleton coaches, Tomas Mocketeer. Um, as his school, he has led his school to the Lidl All-Ireland Post-Primary School Senior A Championship Final, where they will take on Moat Community School from Westmead this coming weekend. Tomas, you're very welcome to the Big Red Bench. Hi, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's good to, be, uh, good to talk to you. Um, let's start with the fact that you've got, you're preparing for an All-Ireland Final, uh, a Lidl PPS Senior A Championship Final. Um, it's been a fantastic year for your school, not just at senior, but at junior as well. Yeah, we've had a good successful year, I suppose, on both both age groups. They've done pretty well. Probably something that's been building over the last few years. You know, a lot of students have been, since they came in in first year, you know, even if one's in second year now and whatever. It's been coming for a few years. And this year, you know, we were luckily enough, I suppose, we won two months of championships, the junior and, and the senior ones. So the students came together. We were a little unlucky. What was it? Maybe just before COVID struck there, we had, we won the junior and we all lost the senior monster. So, um, the two teams came back this year and they got in there so they, they got the business done alright our juniors um, came up short alright in the All-Ireland semi-final but the seniors went one better so it just keeps everything going for another two weeks everything we're all excited It does and there's huge momentum obviously because you're making quite a lot of headlines just through social media we've taken note of how well St Mary's High School is doing when it comes to ladies football Um like the momentum that you've gained, what do you put this down to? Because, you know, it's one thing to do it at Senior A, which is the most competitive at PPS level, but to do it at Junior as well, you must have a, a huge amount of players that both you and your other coach on your team, Emma Farmer, former Cork player, um, to look after. Um, I was trying to do it up there the other day. I think I think we have 100 players wow. between these, between second year and sixth year that are involved in ladies' game of football at the moment. We have 58 first years at the moment that are that are signed and registered to play. So um I, I don't know what you put it down to as I, I kinda of mentioned before, like the group in fifth and sixth year at the moment were probably the they were probably the ones that lit the fire under everything in the school. You know, there was previous years before that they weren't maybe competing as much as they might have liked or that they could have, I suppose. But I think the group in fifth and sixth year they started down at the bottom. There's six years there now they have I was trying to do it out there the other day. I had to write it down on a thing. If they have the junior, they won the junior C, they won the junior B, they won the junior A, they won the senior C, they got promoted straight to A, and they won the senior A. So you're looking at that group, I suppose, it's all credit to the fifth and sixth years have started the fire, you know, and everything, and and even more credit to the ones below them. They've they've come in and seen the standard set by the fifth and sixth years, and they want the piece of it, and it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I don't have to recruit it more help, I'd say. But it's not a bad complaint. Not a bad complaint at all. No, it isn't. And congratulations to both you and Emma for looking after that number of players and, and keeping it all going. Um, the clubs that you draw your players from, I mean, just looking through some of the recent match reports, names that would have leapt out of the, the screen at me, Dara Kinnery and Rachel Lee are players I would know from the Cork scene. But from your own point of view and, and Emma's point of view, what kind of clubs are feeding into these teams? Yeah, I suppose you named two of our two of our big players there. I suppose they're, they're the names that are people will know straight away. But I suppose it's, it's a team that it's built on players from a lot of clubs in East Cork. You know, just uh, 
You've Ahad there supplying a lot of the team there. Liz Gould have a good underage at the moment. You've Middleton, you've St. Coleman, Klein. There's a big long list. And um, they're all a lot of credit to those clubs as well because they really are. They put a lot of effort into ladies Gaelic football, and sometimes it gets lost because it's just the profile, I suppose, you know, of that thing. But um, they are trying very, very hard. They're putting a lot of work in, and I, I think it's actually very nice for them as well because maybe they mightn't be getting honours in Cork, you know, um, with, with Cork championships or whatever. But I think this is kind of. I think for them too that they can be very proud of as well, and it's definitely something that I do keep in my mind as well. Indeed, you beat Cashel Community School fourteen points to one seven to win the Munster Championship. You beat Sacred Heart from Westport in the All Ireland A Championship semi final, but you face Moat Community School in this year's All Ireland final, which is taking place this upcoming weekend. How have preparations gone, Tomas? And what are you most looking forward to yourself and Emma on the big day? Um, hard to say. I suppose what we're looking forward to. You know, you'd be a little bit nervous for them as well, but um, it's their big day. I think as a group, they've. I'm not going to say you know you get what you deserve I suppose in sports but I think they, there's a lot of them that deserve it they've as I, I mentioned previously the fifth and sixth years have been just if you were looking for an example of footballers at that age they are just them they've everything you've asked them to do they've done it so preparation's going well everything's good um, everything's fine everybody's all accounted for and everyone's good to go very busy time I suppose at school at the moment the TY show is on, the orals are fast approaching for the six years and the third years in the middle of their assessments as well. So uh, a big juggling act, but you know, sometimes I'm inside in class and I look down at some of the footballers and they're gazing out the window and I can just picture what they're thinking down there, but you can't say anything, but uh, no, they're excited. I think the whole school is excited. They're, um, there's a big thing on at the moment with them now, just getting people going and whatever. And, uh, look, it, it had a, a lot of excitement beating Westport. Even playing in that semi-final was very exciting for the school. There was updates going back to them, and the PT wasn't streamed. They said they'll all be watching it, but um, no, it just keeps the buzz going for 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 another little bit. And um, you know, we're very we're looking forward to it. Excellent stuff. Well, we here on the big red bench uh, coming up this weekend. We don't we know it's on Saturday, April second. We don't have a venue just yet at the time of recording, but the Lidl All Ireland PPS Senior A Championship Final, St Mary's High School from Middleton taking on Moat Community School from Westmeath to your coaches uh, Emma Farmer and Tomás Mocketeer and your players and all your supporters we wish you all the best here from the Big Red Bench Tomás and we'll catch up with you afterwards Thanks very much Thank you Now here on the Big Red Bench we are joined by the coaches of Coachford Community College who won the Lidl Munster LGFA PPS Senior Munster Final this year and have been on a fantastic role in ladies football within the school We're joined by Rebecca Murphy and Shane Creed Rebecca you're very welcome to the bench Thanks for having me Jer. Good to talk to you. And Shane, very nice to talk to you as well. Delighted to be here, Jar. Thanks. Um, let's start with you, Shane. And let's start, first of all, with the success of winning a senior Munster PPS title. It's not an easy thing to do, irrespective of the grade, but a fantastic boost for Coachford. And um, I, I would imagine uh, the culmination of a huge amount of hard work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm after losing a, a nice few finals now in the, or uh, games in the last few years in Coachford, so it was nice to win one for a change. I um, this is my first year involved with the ladies, so Rebecca's kind of been with them, um, the last few years, and this year, just for some reason, I don't know what it is. I suppose you can talk to both the girls and the grades they're playing with their clubs and stuff, but we've just had massive success from Munster to junior to first year. It's all been going very well, and we were lucky enough to get past Hazelwood in the final. Absolutely, 
after a hard battle and hopefully this will inspire the rest of the girls in the school to keep it up, keep going, keep pushing because they can see where it can get them. Yeah, that's very true. And from your point of view, Rebecca, as Shane said, you've been involved in previous years, but the culmination again and the momentum, it seemed, you seem to gain a lot of momentum as the rounds went by. Is that one of the main reasons you managed to get over Haleswood in the final? I think so. And to be honest, the that very same group of girls won uh, a Munster Championship when they were in first year. And that's when I had them as well. So I suppose they're used to playing together. Um, like it'd be renowned for Camogie. So like they're used to playing alongside each other. And I suppose that buzz just drives them on then again, you know. Um, Rebecca, what do you put the interest on? The, it seems to be like you're talking about a lot of a lot of players here, not just one panel. There seems to be a huge interest now in ladies football within Coachford Community College. Has it been a gradual thing over the last few years? I think so. Like, I suppose it's hard to pinpoint one thing. But I think they're just such a dedicated group of girls, you know, and it doesn't matter what they're doing, whether it's academic or sport, like they just dedicate their whole lives to it. Like it's a serious commitment and it's actually magical to watch, to be honest. I'm just, I'm so proud of them. And like, it's it's a credit to them really, like, and great to be involved all the same. Yes, and you could see that from the social media reaction on your social me- the school social media accounts, just the celebrations and the faces. You know, it, it obviously meant a lot to the players. And speaking of players, Shane, you're drawing from some uh, some quality football clubs as well. Yeah, uh, big time. Like we've got Dunamore and Saint Val's predominantly, I suppose, and there's a few as well from McCroom. So like that, like Rebecca said, they're well used to playing with each other in their clubs, and it's just a thing that this year they've just decided that. They were going to put it in from the start of the year. We had a good conversation. We said, look, is this going to be taken seriously? Are we really going to try and go for it? And um, like, we've got a lot of individuals who would be playing on Cork squads, but, you know, unexpectedly then, even in the final, there were girls that stood up that had magical performances that, you know, they're not your main Cork players. And I think that was the thing about it this year, the honesty that they all kind of worked hard together. And it's not, it's not usual that you can draw from many clubs but have one team then playing together. So it was a huge boost. They all just kind of they pulled the same direction this year. And from your experience, Shane, how important is it to have the depth of that panel? Because as you said, the Cork players are the Cork players. They're generally watched quite closely by the opposition, but it's the remaining. those other players that may not necessarily be on inter-county teams just yet and those players coming off the bench. You need game changers if you're going to win a title at PPS level. Well, I've never in all my years in coaching found it more difficult to pick a starting team than that Munster final. And that's not um, an over-exaggeration. Myself and Rebecca spoke to two or three before the game that no other team could imagine not starting them. And we spoke about, you know, a purpose of having them to come on, the impact they would have when we needed them. And we had that in the semi-final as well um, with two or three girls coming off the bench. And the panel, like, I know it's such a cliche, like, but those girls made such an impact. Even the, the lady on the gate above in Bantier she could not believe the amount of girls that were going in. She thought we were cutting her that with this was the panel we had. We just had such a draw all year from girls putting in the commitment. Like you said, now and again, the Cork girls are training. They might make school um, trainings, but you never miss them as much because you've such an array of talent pulling from all these clubs. We're just blessed at the moment. We're just blessed. And Rebecca, that's the thing. I mean, you can have all the uh, talent in the world, but unless you've got a good mix and got a good atmosphere within that squad, you're not going to win anything. And it, there seemed to be quite a lot of camaraderie, obviously, after winning a Munster title. But that, that that togetherness since they were in first year all the way through now to winning the senior title, it's obviously evident and it's obvious that they're hungry for more. 
Do you know what it is, though? I think it's their mindset. Um, so we had a meeting the the week before the match and like they, they're just so easygoing. They don't get nervous. They they do it because they love it and they enjoy it. And they're all friends like they were singing on the bus on the way to the match. Like, you know, these girls just, you know, they believe in themselves and they believed that they were going to play well, you know, set aside the win. You know, they don't focus on the winning. They just focus on playing the sport they love. And, you know, that's what got them over the line at the end, you know. Very good. And just finally, Shane, what does this mean now for next year? Because obviously won Munster, Kilfinnan just ended your All-Ireland hopes, but is there a hunger and a desire amongst the girls coming through to do the same? Well, without even focusing, I suppose, on next year yet, we still have the county starting next Monday against Bantry. And the minute we came off the pitch, we spoke about that straight away. We said, look, we want to keep this feeling going. We want to keep going as far as we can. Bantry are going to be a serious team next Monday, but we want to keep this going. And the more that this keeps rolling, the more girls, like, funnily enough, as Rebecca said earlier, like, we'd be renowned for being a camogie school, they play senior A, and some of the girls this year were slow to get involved because they had so much on. We hadn't been winning with the last few years, and there was just a lot of honesty this year that we were going to give it a go, but we had two or three girls that came up to us after the game and said, we really wish we'd played. We didn't realise that there would be such a bond, such crack, as Rebecca said, I couldn't get over it. Like, they were so relaxed, so easy going. So what I would be saying now, I know there's two or three girls in fifth year that didn't play this year. I know for a fact those girls want to play. That's a huge boost. It's a huge boost to the school. For first years, they're in two county finals coming up to Easter. They're in the B and C county finals. The juniors are in a Munster plate. It's just, it's, it's, it's fantastic. This is all going to keep going. I suppose they just see that the honesty is there, the mindset's there. They get on well with the coaches. The coaches care. They're involved. They're invested. I'd hope that this keeps going and next year we'd have we'd have more success. Excellent stuff. And just we'll give the final word to you, Rebecca. Obviously there's a lot of momentum. There's obviously counties still to play for. But uh, that, that PPS All Ireland title is certainly within your grasp if you get the same dedication again next year. Yeah, I definitely think so. But like as I said before we don't focus on the win, you know, we, we, we focus on, you know, improving and developing our, our own play, you know, and maybe something's going wrong in the line or the pitch, but, you know, we, we drive that on and we try and make it as fun as possible because they deserve fun. You know, they work so hard not to have fun. So we try and not make it too serious and we try not and, you know, focus on the winning, winning, winning. We just, we just want to enjoy it. And, and they really do. So, I've no doubt they'll do well next year. A positive way to end it. And uh, coach for Community College end the year is the Munster LGFA PPS Senior C Munster Provincial Champions. And they'll be gunning as well now for the upcoming county championships as well. We wish you well on that. And everybody here at the Big Red Bench will be keeping an eye out for you. To Shane Creed and to Rebecca Murphy, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, sir. The Cork LGFA Under-14 Inter-County squad are back in action this upcoming weekend when they travel to Kerry to play their second Munster LGFA Under-14 Championship game of the season. We're joined on the line here now on the Big Red Bench by the Cork Under-14 manager, JJDC. JJ, how are you? Very well, thanks, John. Um, you scored a very, very impressive opening round victory against a good Tipperary team. What has been happening with the squad since that victory last month? Well, we've been... Um back in training on twice a week as, as normal and uh, we played a, a challenge match as well against Mayo and in the meantime which went well for us um, The squad you've got quite a big squad you've got a development squad as well there's two different sets of players I mean there's a lot of competition for places has that intensified since the first game? It has it, um, all the girls have their hands up now for a starting position next Saturday so we have to be fair to them they've 
shown well in training, they've shown well in challenge matches, they'll have to get their chance now this weekend. Um, it's a cliche, but it's never easy going to play Kerry at any level, no matter what it is. Um, they'll obviously be looking to get a victory. And, um, considering how well you played in your opening round game with the 218 to 1-3 win over Tipperary in Cladove, um, they'll have done their homework on you, so you're really going to have to hit the ground running here. Yeah, we, we saw them playing against the Tipperary, and a bit like the, our, our game against Tipperary, the, both matches are played in, in, in pretty horrendous weather conditions, in fact. The Curry Tiberi match was 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 it was absolutely awful. So it's very hard for for for, for girls that age to to show what they really can do in, in conditions like that. Um. So you know, this weekend hopefully we'll get a bit of fine weather and both ourselves and Curry will or our players will get a chance to you know to to you know to improve and to and to show what they can do football wise without uh, the elements having a, a bearing on the on the on the proceedings. And that's the thing, JJ, between your first game, which was at the end of February, and now we're nearly into April, I mean, from a manager's point of view and your management team, at least you get time to work with the players. I think that's probably vital for you, whatever about the outcome, that you've had a good run in coming into the game as well as the challenge matches, but you've got time on the training pitch, which is something that's invaluable for, at this age group. Yes, it, it's, it's, it's what it's all about. We are, at the end of the day, a development squad. And, um, you know, we have to... Our responsibility is to, to get these girls to to play at, a, at the standard required to compete at, at inter-county level. And, you know, they're, they're doing very well. They're doing very well in training. They're, you know, they're, they're learning a lot. They're, they're listening. They're, they're improving every week. You can see, you know, you can see the, the difference in, in, in some of the players who've come in, you know, maybe a little bit nervous, maybe a little bit shy at the start of the year that they're, you know they're forming bonds between them, between their, themselves within the panel, and you know coming out of their shell, and, and you know starting to play some very very good football. So we're 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 very pleased with the progress they're making. Um, we're very pleased with the 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 attendance of training and the, and the commitment to training, and you know everything is 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 going okay for us at the moment. We just have to transfer that now into a performance on the field and, and that's what we'll be, be looking for on Saturday. It's still early days for you JJ but how impressed, um, you've obviously impressed with your own team but the, the quality of football in Munster between yourselves, Tip and, and Kerry from what you've seen already, how impressed are you with it? Very impressed yeah, um, there was some you know, some Kerry have some lovely players, you know, some very good forwards uh, Tipperary also they were, you know, they give a really gutsy second half display into the, against the elements have uh, alone feathered in, in the last day out. And, you know, you can see all these teams are improving. We haven't seen Kerry, Kerry, we haven't seen Kerry play only the once we've seen two twice up close in the first round and, and uh, again the last day. So, you know, you can see the, the way they've improved, the way they're organised, the way girls are learning to fit into the system that's being taught to them. Uh, and there's different styles of play that they have. So, you know, it's, it's we're taking nothing for granted. Uh, at this at this level, we're we just we will do our own preparation and um, you know we we set our stall out on, on Saturday and, and and do the best we can. Well, everybody on the big red bench wishes you all the best in that clash on Saturday. Away to carry the Carcoll LGFA under 14s JJDC. Thanks as ever for talking to us here on the bench. Thanks, now it's been a busy time and the Cork LGFA Under-21 Championships getting underway recently and the draws made for the remaining rounds of those competitions uh, this past weekend 
Mornabi got the better of Ahada in the under 21A County Championship semi finals, winning on a scoreline of 1 5 to 7 points. And the scores from Mornabi coming from Katie O'Toole got two points, uh, Eddie Jack also weighing in with two points, Deirdre Cronin with a point, and Anna Ryan with the all important goal. For Ahada, Brianna Smith, uh, top scorer with four points, Rachel Leahy with two, and Caitlin Smith also getting on the score sheet. And what all that means is that Mornabi will now face Glanmire in the under 21A Championship final coming up this weekend we move in now to the under 21 b championship and st val's uh they scored a big win uh or a narrow win um over douglas i should say one eight to four uh, a one point victory there for val's who had lauren barrett on the score sheet she got a uh, one two in that game katie brown quiva omani ashling omani neavne pagola quiva foley and leisha burns also weighing in on the scoreboard there for val's they won that one one eight two four what that means is they go into the uh semi-finals now um, where, or sorry the quarter-finals where they will face West Cork Club O'Donovan Rossa uh, Kilty will face the winners of Fermoy and Ballinora while Bright Rovers will take on West Cork Club Doheny's and that's because Doheny's um, registered a pretty comprehensive win in their opening round under 21B Championship uh, against Inch Rovers this past weekend uh, on the scoreboard for the Dunmanway Club Caitlin Sheen with 2-2 Marie Crowley with 1-5 Michelle Love with 1-1 Ava Donovan with two points and Carrie McCarthy also getting her name on the score sheet. Donnie's will face Bright, will face Bright Rovers as I said in that quarterfinal and the last of those quarterfinals Kinsale will meet the winners of Neva Vaughan and Valley Rovers into the under 21 C County Championship and the draw for the second round of that championship sees Castlehaven facing Drum Tariff Rockbawn will face Kil- will face Kilshanig, Mallow will face Aragland Bez- Desmond's Bui, Ballinhasic will take on Carrigline in the bottom half of the draw, Bishopstown will take on Owendala, Bantry Blues will face Nemo Rangers and McCroom are already into the quarterfinals, that's because they scored a 6-11-2-12 victory over Ross Carberry in last weekend's uh, second round tie and McCroom will now meet the winners of Bandon and Bantir in the last eight of the Under-21 C Championship and finally into the Under-21 D Championship um, and here we have in the second round Kilavolin defeating Middleton uh, last week to book their place in the semi-finals where they'll meet either Nave Finbarra or Ballancolic while Iban Ladies are in passage the winners of that encounter will take on Function Gales or Watergrass Hill in the other semi-finals so that's a roundup of all the Cork LGFA Under 21 Championship action and we'll have more again next week That's it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast Remember to subscribe to the Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts you can also listen online at redextra.ie. Don't forget to tune in to the Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan, Colm O'Sullivan and Valerie Wheeler between 6 and 7pm on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow the Big Red Bench across all our social media channels as well as visiting our official website redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench, Saturday and Sunday from 6pm, Cork's Red FM.